Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. You're listening to The Wes and Walker Show. Are you telling me, after 15 years of unanswered prayers, we finally get our rim protector only for Dorian Finney-Smith and Danilo Gallinari. It's Wes. 52-year-old Danilo Gallinari <laughs> to mess it all up. Let's go. Seven games? Seven games into the year, man. Are you telling me I actually miss Cody Zeller? And Walker. Forget a Hornets starter jacket. I need a straight jacket. I'm going crazy. I'm rocking back and forth in fetal position. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNC. Longing for the days of Cody Zeller. Lots of basketball news breaking today. Not only did the Charlotte Hornets decide to move Mitch Kupchak from the GM role to an advisory role, they'll begin their search for a new GM immediately. We also see Aaron Fern have the interim tag removed from his status as head ball coach over there with the Charlotte 49ers. It's official after a 9-2 and start to conference play. Aaron Fern is officially, permanently, your head basketball coach of the 49ers, and we now know who it's going to be going into next season. This was something where we always knew it was going to be Aaron Fern. You couldn't fire him after this type of season, nor did Mike Hill really want to. It was just all about trying to figure out the contract and whatnot. But since they got off to this great start, I'm glad that Aaron Fern is rewarded for the type of good work that he has built with this squad, keeping all of this talent. Now you actually have some fun names that play on your squad. Lukai Patterson is fun. Love Deshaun Jackson. Milicic is so gifted as a bigger wing. It's really fun to watch 49ers basketball. And here they are at 9-2 and two in conference. Let's go to a couple of just hodgepodge texts on the text line. Heat fan was talking about some of the free agents that the Carolina Panthers should be interested in. And I got a couple texts on this guy, Wes. 252 said, I'd love to see them take a gamble on Calvin Ridley. Here's where Heat fan writes in. Not a lot of people talking about Calvin Ridley. He's not going to cost as much as the top guys. And I think he can be a number one option. Little bit of an underwhelming year this year. Yeah. But I still love him just because of what we saw him do in Atlanta. You talk about separation and route running. One of the best in the league at that. Now, when you miss a whole year. That's what's tough. But even coming back for a year, is it plausible that Ridley getting his feet back under him, playing the full NFL regular season, where, yeah, maybe a little underwhelming in Jacksonville, but you're still in a thousand-yard type guy. And then you go to Carolina, and you can still, you're going to be the number one option here. I can't, I mean, if they bring him in, unless they trade for T. Higgins or anything like that, I would like Calvin Ridley too. So I'd be totally welcoming of that. I just don't know what else, like how much money they're going to be looking to spend at the wide receiver position. But I'd welcome Calvin Ridley to the Carolina Panthers. I think he's good enough for sure. Yeah, he could be a welcomed addition to this team. I mean, you're talking about 76 catches, 1,016 yards, eight touchdowns, around 60 yards per game uh, he was getting for you out there. So I think he will be a viable option. Do I still see him as a one? Like it looked like he was trending towards in Atlanta. I'm not sure that I think that 
He's a one. Uh, I look at him as a, as a strong two at this point, and I thought he was pretty inconsistent uh, in Jacksonville this year. I also had him uh, in fantasy, too, but that's another story. But I just thought Uh-oh. that he, Does he have the Pittman strike against him now? Uh, not necessarily a <laughs> Pittman strike because I drafted Pittman you know, to be my number one receiver, and he did not deliver on that that year at all. But uh, I think that would really – he could be a solid option. Like I said, I don't know if he's that – that number one alpha dog receiver that you're looking for uh, for the Carolina Panthers. But I think if you're able to get him at a good price, then, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's going to hurt. I think it's only going to help. Yeah, I think with Calvin Ridley, that would be somebody that I welcome. But the other thing is watching Jacksonville this year and the times I did, there was a compilation of Calvin Ridley being so close to getting a touchdown. There was like six receptions where if the end zone was 11 yards, he would have six touchdowns. <laughs> Trevor Lawrence kept trying to thread the needle at the back of the end zone. He'd have a foot out of bounds. The toe would just barely drag on that white paint that said that catch did not count. I remember it was like the third game of the season. There were tons of receivers that were going through that same problem. But Calvin Ridley probably had more of those catches than yeah. anybody else. And so if that evens out, you're talking about a bigger red zone target and more yards. But it didn't. And so maybe that allows you to get them a little bit cheaper. Final thing before we go to Livewire, Shoe Guy writes in, this is one of the best moves the Hornets have made, moving Mitch into an advisory role. The Hornets organization has made, it's one of the best they've made in a while. He likes keeping Mitch around, but he also welcomes uh, a new GM and he can pick up where the last trading deadline left off and get us some good pieces. I think that's true. Mitch Kupchak's draft input, especially in the second round, that's something I'd welcome. I mean, the 2021 draft was bad. Kai Jones, James Booknight, not a lot of success there. In fact, you just waved James Booknight, and you don't have Kai Jones on the roster. That's an epic failure, to be honest with you. It is. Like, this soon? Who, buddy? You were, if you were hoping for both to work out. Those guys don't even get to their third year, really, on the roster. So that's what's tough. But P.J. Washington hit. You get a protected top two first round in return on top of depth. Miles Bridges, talent-wise, hits. LaMelo, big hit. $200 million guy that you drafted. So they're in second-round picks. I do like Mitch Kupchak being around here, at least helping out in um, an advisory role. All right, time now for the Live Wire, playing some Super Bowl sound with Josh Fitty Marlowe. Yeah, going back to the Calvin Ridley conversation, um, it would be a pretty big gamble, if you will, to bring him here, but it could parlay into future success for Bryce Young and the Carolina Panthers offense. The double cricket joke. Usually it's just one, but nice job having a parlay of a joke, to be honest with you. Uh, We (laughs) will get to some Super Bowl sound, but we'll start with some local sound because we all saw the reunion videos of guys like Luke Keekley. Greg Olson descending on Radio Row at the Super Bowl. And Luke Keekley hopped on NFL Total Access to talk about what he thought of Bryce Young's rookie season in the NFL. You know, obviously last year wasn't the year that Bryce wanted, but there's a couple things that I think Bryce did a fantastic job of. I think his toughness really showed this year. He got hit a lot. He got hit a lot. He got sacked a lot. He was on the ground a lot. But I'll tell you what, he got up. He ran off the field. Came back the next series, it didn't affect him, and then he showed up the next week as well. So you got to believe he wasn't feeling great 
going in the games. He was beat up, but guess what? He went out there. He didn't complain. He took the heat. He answered questions with the media. The guy can process. He's super accurate. He's super athletic. Man, it's we, we got to get better everywhere. It's and everyone keeps pointing at Bryce and saying, "Hey, Bryce has got to be better." But we got to be better. We've got to be better all over the place. I think was it maybe the Jacksonville game where he got hit and he he left the game was maybe the first time all year he got hit and we all maybe we all maybe held uh, held our breath there. I do think we've talked about it a lot, Walker, during the course of the season. He did prove that his body can withstand the beating it's going to take at the NFL level. Is that the biggest accomplishment Bryce experienced this year? After all of the noise about him having this small frame coming in and just going to get destroyed by these big old mean defensive linemen <laughs> that weigh 300 pounds, mind you. And we knew all about these defensive oh, linemen. Yeah, that's weights. right. Every time somebody hit him, we got a weight check. Yeah, Wes was putting you guys all up on that when he was telling you, hey, make sure like we're going to leave these games and these broadcasts are going to tell us what that defensive lineman weighs whenever mm -hmm. he sacks Bryce Young or gets a hit on him. And here's Bryce Young continuing to stand up. He did get hurt and did not play against Seattle. Maybe a little bit of a conspiracy theory there with Frank Reich and the Carolina Panthers deciding to not play him, even if he was like 85%. They eventually admitted as such. It feels like that was the biggest accomplishment that we saw from Bryce Young this entire season. The fact that, hey, he can take all those hits. I just hope he never has to do it again. Yeah, I'm surprised they don't have a scale out there uh, ready for guys as soon as they get done. Hey, how much do you weigh? Let us know, all mm -hmm. right, so we can say it on the broadcast. But, yeah, uh, I think I would agree with you, Walker. I think if there's one thing that Carolina Panthers fans can take away from this is that, you know, the whole small guy label and worrying about his health and durability, I think he answered that question. I think he proved that he can survive an NFL season, and we saw him take a lot of brutal hits. All right, back to yesterday's big game. We're going to have the Mahomes break. Goat conversation, and rightfully so. But after Andy Reid won his third Super Bowl as well, it's maybe time to put him in the goat conversation for head coaches in the NFL, and that's exactly what his quarterback Patrick Mahomes believes. I mean, he's one of the best coaches of all time. I believe he's the best coach of all time. I mean, I know he doesn't have the trophies yet, and I have a lot of respect for some of those great coaches. Um, but the way he's able to navigate every single team he has, um, continue to have success no matter where he's at. Um, and for me, he brings out the best in me because he lets me be me. I think that's that's important. Is he doesn't try to make me anyone else? I, I don't think I'd be the quarterback that I am if I didn't have Coach Reed being the, my head coach. Um, and um, and, he, he, and that, other than that, he wants you to be the best person you can be, and that's something that I think is uh, truly special. Wes, more realistic GOAT debate, if you will. Brady, Mahomes, Andy Reed, Bill Belichick. Well, okay, so you're asking me the better combination, or you're asking me the better conversation? Wait, wait, yeah, we, we, which do you think is more of a realistic okay. GOAT conversation? Brady, Mahomes, or Belichick versus Andy Reid? Man, that's tough. But I think it's certainly Brady and Mahomes. I mean, that's what everybody's pointing to right now because of what they've seen from Mahomes. The flashiness, the way in which he's played the position is a very rare quality that we've seen in a lot of quarterbacks. And so I think that's why a lot of people are looking at it, too. I think it's a little bit of Brady out of sight, out of mind uh, as well as far as us having that debate because – uh, when it comes down to it, yes, Andy Reid is definitely going to go down as one of the best coaches in this era, and I would put him as the second best coach uh, in this era for me behind Belichick, but it's still too hard to 
uh, go against what he's done. I mean, six championships. We did see that Brady, obviously, was a major, major, major factor in others. Belichick only won about 45% of his games without Brady. But, uh, you know, what else do you expect Patrick Mahomes to say post-game? I mean, they just won a Super Bowl. So what do you think he's going to say? Nah, I don't think he's the best. Oh, my bad. He'll be like, nah, I don't think he's the best coach. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm going to go with somebody else. I think Belichick's better. Yeah. <laughs> feels like a low pitch. It feels like the base version. <laughs> I had a good Pat last Mahomes. night. I don't know what happened because I did mock him a few times last night. All right. So I, I think both are worthy. I, if you wanted to have that, Andy Reid has more ways to go, in my opinion. Like if we're trying to make really? this. Well, look. Look at I me. Mean, you combine Philadelphia with six NFC title games and now with six AFC title games. Like all the guy does is coach in championship games. There's been a lot of conversation about Andy Reid hanging him up at some point. I know that's been a part of the rumors. Andy Reid is telling you he's coming back. Mm-hmm. Like, he's not entertaining that, at least right now. Andy Reid, I know he's older, but in in the converse, in the type of conversation we're having, he's only 65. So when you look at Bill Belichick, 70, when you look at Pete Carroll, 71, 72, you have a handful of years left with Andy Reid who is continuing to get the job uh, done at a high level. And so let's just say he coaches until he's 70. Pat Mahomes is going to be 33. (laughs) So he's still going to be playing in his prime. Let's just go ahead and give him double-digit wins each of the next five years. Right now, on the all-time wins list, Andy Reid is fourth at 258. You give him 60 wins the next five years, an average of 12, right? If that's, you know, 10, 12, whatever, 50, 60, however you want to slice it. That puts him up there right behind Don Shula. That would give him about 320 victories all time in the NFL. That's eight behind Don Shula, whom Bill Belichick is chasing and might not get there, especially if he doesn't even have a job this season. So if Andy Reid amidst the 60 wins that he picks up the next five years, Let's say he wins a couple more Super Bowls, and that would mean five total, Bill Belichick six. And my biggest point with Andy Reid being a part of the GOAT conversation, I think it's incredible that Andy Reid was able to win in different eras of offense when he is the mastermind of offense, right? Like, think about what he's doing with Philadelphia. No, he didn't have the amazing quarterback, but you always found him in the NFC Championship game. They did get to the Super Bowl once. They lost in a heartbreaking fashion, such as Adam Vinatieri and Tom Brady would do to those types of people. Andy Reid gets fired after one, like, mediocre season, not even a bad one. He goes to Kansas City and has all of this success with Alex Smith. And then he gets the GOAT possibly with Pat Mahomes. And what does he do? Just win Super Bowl after Super Bowl and gets the AFC Championship game after AFC Championship game. Yeah, man. Andy Reid deserves to be in this conversation just like Pat Mahomes deserves to be in this conversation even if their careers aren't done yet. Last piece of sound we'll play. We didn't we, we haven't spent a whole lot talking about this because the Chiefs won the game, but there was an incident where Travis Kelsey pulled up on Big Red on the sidelines after he wasn't given the football in the red zone, and Andy Reid spoke on that sideline incident with the future Hall of Fame tight end. Was Travis giving that speech on the sideline when he ran into you in oh, the yeah. first half? No. <laughs> he keeps me young. Yeah. <laughs> the balance looked good. Yeah, yeah, not so good. He tested, tested that hip out. Yeah, yeah I know. Like JB's got a new hip, too. Yeah, man. You, you, you took a good hit right there. But, but that's how you guys communicate sometimes. Well, he caught me off balance. 
normally I'd give them a little bit, but you know, <laughs> I didn't have any feet under me. Wes, you said that that incident kind of caught you off guard. It caught a lot of people off guard because, A, we haven't seen that from Kelsey, and, B, Andy Reid is just so respected. You don't see players pull up on him like that. What did you make of the incident, and, um, you know, how much more would we have talked about this if, if the result would have went the other way? Yeah, it definitely would have been a big topic, and I thought that early on, I thought that was one of those signs I was looking at, like, man, you know, they're starting to come apart a little bit, and I know it happens on – sidelines uh, all the time but we haven't seen that yet during the Kansas City game we've seen Mahomes get frustrated we've seen guys get frustrated but nobody go up on uh, Andy Reid that way and frankly I didn't like it and I know people try to say oh it happens all the time but I thought that that was a bit disrespectful and at the time he was getting frustrated and I think it is a little bit of him feeling the pressure with him becoming that much more of a heightened public figure because of who he's dating. And I think he kind of feels the pressure to perform that much more. It's the Super Bowl. He wants to be able to, to uh, do his thing in that game. Uh, but, you know, you can chalk it up to competitive fire and him just wanting to be a part of things. But I just thought that that was very much out of line. It, it went too far. And you don't need Travis Kelsey pushing the head coach when he's not even paying attention to you, right? It went too far. I don't know if this needs to be a indictment on... Travis Kelsey's character that he is, you know, used against him for the rest of his life. But yeah, it was a mistake. Travis Kelsey shouldn't be doing that at that moment because it it does. Okay, you could view it as competitive fire or even somewhat of a weakness. And like if I am the opponent and I see Travis Kelsey as frustrated as he is, if I see Pat Mahomes and Rasheed Rice going at it like they were, if I see Chris Jones get up and be so frustrated with Marquez Valdez Scantling deciding to run backwards 14 yards to give the team a loss and what was an initial gain. I feel like I have the upper hand because I didn't see a lot of that. I don't know if you disagree, Wes. I didn't see a lot of that going on with San Francisco, and it's not like they didn't have their struggles last night. Right. It felt like it was a little bit on the weaker side for Kansas City. Yes, they're competitive. It felt like Pat Mahomes and that Rasheed Rice incident, he was the one telling Rice, hey, get it together. I don't need to hear you clowning me for not throwing the ball to you at the end of regulation. But, like, it... To me, like it just shows, okay, yeah, you can be competitive, and also it can get to you. And you only had one reception in the first half. If you want him to throw you the ball, fine. Maybe you don't borderline tackle Andy Reid while trying to get your point across. No doubt about it. I think it. both things can be true. All right, let's move on. That was the live wire playing some Super Bowl sound. We have, well, the leftover topics, man. We still have a lot of Super Bowl breakdown to get to. We'll figure out, you can join us on the other side of the break, what we're going to talk about. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Welcome back, folks, on a Super Bowl Monday here on the Wesson Walker Show. 
keep the text coming, 704-570-9610. Also, don't forget, hit that follow button on the WFNZ Twitter and Instagram, at Westbryant underscore 72, at Walker Mail, at HTB underscore Josh, and most importantly, at Wes and Walker on Twitter or X, whichever you prefer. Going back to the text line, Casey Steve asks, curious, favorite commercial from the game, and Fiddy and Wes's thoughts on Deadpool trailer. I love uh, how he knows immediately not to ask me. He's so right. <laughs> like, I, yeah, Casey Steve has that figured out to a T. I can't tell you about that Deadpool trailer. Didn't stay fixated on it. I watched it a little bit, but that is such the right way to ask that question. Yeah, I thought the Super Bowl commercials were pretty lackluster. I can't say that I really had a favorite out of any of them. And then uh, for me... I'm never really about the commercials. I'm about the movie trailers. I love to see those movie trailers that are for movies that are coming out in six, eight months, two years from now. That I, that I don't like, but it's still cool to see trailers. So seeing that Deadpool kind, Deadpool kind of tease was cool to me. Fiddy and I watched the official trailer this morning. Definitely excited. I do I do like the Deadpool franchise and with Wolverine coming in finally, in the words of The Rock, with the yellow and blue suit on that we remember as kids uh, on the Fox show that used to come on, the cartoon that used to come on back in the day. Yeah, I, I feel like, Wes, if, if we're in the theaters together watching that movie, that might be the loudest that we get is seeing not just the Wolverine, but the Wolverine in that suit. Yes, man. Um, but the best part about Deadpool, because I love him, is that my highly religious uh, Southern Momal is a big fan of Deadpool and all of his swearing and he's very you know provocative oh, he's very crass oh yeah sure. and uh I've, so i've learned some things about my mama through her fan of ryan reynolds character of the deadpool that i did not know because i thought she'd be anti-deadpool oh yeah also too yeah I'll, I'll agree with cadillac the christopher walken commercial i would say is my favorite when they were mocking him that was pretty funny mm-hmm. and to brian's text uh the twister trailer my girl definitely got excited about that because she was a fan of the original i know that's a little bit before y'all's time oh, right? I, saw it. I mean when it came out y'all were you know, eating Gerber, but that's true. Uh, you know, you might have gotten to see it a little <laughs> bit later. But I remember renting Twister when it was all the rage. So that should be interesting to see what the technology and CGI that they have now, uh, what that's going to look like, what Twister's going to look like. So I really don't care about Super Bowl commercials like that. After I was a kid, and I used to care because that was that was part of the intrigue for me about the Super Bowl. I was as hyped for that as the game, and then I started to you know fall in love with the game a little bit more. And now I just really don't care about the Super Bowl commercials as much. So many times, you're usually at a Super Bowl party, and so that's the time for me. That's definitely load up on chip stuff. Go get the bathroom breaks in the food. I'm talking to my buddies about what we just saw. Like that's what I'm doing at a Super Bowl party. None of us really care as much about the commercials. Last night was a little different, but even still, I can only give you a couple that comes to mind. My favorite one, because of what I grew up on, was the Paramount commercial when Patrick Stewart throws Hey Arnold into the mountain. Okay. And the playbook was throw the child. That was (laughs) a great commercial for me. And getting to see Hey Arnold, which is by far and away, leaps and bounds, my favorite cartoon of all time. Love Hey Arnold. Love everything about it. That's why that was my favorite commercial. So I'm going to go with Paramount, Patrick Stewart, throwing Hey Arnold. And the other one, the Dunkin' Donuts one, it wasn't amazing. But the how much did they pay to have Ben Affleck, J-Lo, Matt Damon 
they had to just drop a ton of money just on that one commercial to have everybody included in that commercial. Well, Spotsworth went for $3 million, so you're probably looking at the time you paid them. Whew. What? Crazy. Maybe yeah, maybe expensive. a $10 million commercial? All right. And then also, too, uh, Usher's halftime performance. What did we think about that? I got a majority of the songs right that he ended up performing. My girl and I do like a little draft. We draft songs. We go to about eight to ten apiece to see which ones we think he'll get. And I racked up. But what did we think about Usher's performance? What was the favorite moments? How, how did we like it, folks? How does it compare to other Super Bowl performances you've seen? I thought it was great. Loved everything about it. I wouldn't put it as like top three. I agree. Top. I don't even know about top five. That's kind of tough. Yeah, I agree. But I did love it. Like it was still fun. Part part of what we saw yesterday, the roller skates were intriguing. I thought Usher, it was weird to see so much of the songs not sung by him. Right? Because he's got the mic on. Like turned down for what? And he's not lip syncing at all. Yeah. And so, I Okay. But that's fine, right? Like, we're doing the nitpick thing. If we're going to compare it in the top five, then I'm trying to put that towards what we saw a couple of years ago, which was my favorite. That lineup when they had Dr. Dre, when they had, what was it, Snoop Dogg was out there, when they had Kendrick Lamar made an appearance. Not only did it, I mean, that's a lot of hype, and it lived up to it. So that's my favorite, plus I'm just a hip-hop head. You know this. With Usher, I love Usher's hits. If you like Usher... Then he played a lot of the hits to where it was going to be really hard for you not to like that halftime show. He did a great job performing. I even thought the performance went better as it went along. Bringing out Lil John, fire. Okay, bringing Lil out. Lil John looks good. He looks looks younger great. now than he did when he was with the East Side. You're boys. totally right. Like Lil John looks way better than he did. Yeah. Dude is cut. Yeah. Like that was by far. The best, I, he was like Super Bowl MVP to me. Yeah. Him coming out, and I, I have to imagine that a higher percentage of people were twer- twerking in their living rooms than even than you see at the clubs. Because there's so many people watching the Super Bowl. When you go for a couple of Lil Jon songs, I imagine living rooms were looking a little club-like. And then Ludacris hopping on at the end, too. Yeah, I thought his outfit, Ludacris's outfit was cringe, but... Well, everybody was kind of in that weird costume I like at what that Usher had on. I mean, it was a weird-looking outfit. But, Fiddy, what were your thoughts on Usher's halftime? Thoroughly enjoyed it. The last three halftime shows have been three of the better ones of my lifetime. Yeah, they've been all really good. Um, I would argue that maybe Katy Perry's in 2014. I really did enjoy hers. It was very fun listening to Flounder try to sing Usher songs in a very deep voice while not having the correct lines that <laughs> Usher was singing. That was very intriguing to listen to, but I thoroughly I thoroughly enjoyed it. What were y'all watching the most? Were you watching The Glove and wanting to know if The Glove was going to come off? And then once Alicia Keys showed up, I mean, it was kind of like, like when we saw Rihanna last, last year. I'd, I stopped breathing for two and a half minutes. <laughs> I want to know what kind of piano that was she was playing. Good yeah. point. That was a wild-looking piano that she only played for, like, one song, and then you move on. But still, they did it up for that one song. And the other thing to mention here is, is Alicia's man a little frustrated with the way that Usher was all up on her yeah, at that halftime Yeah, that was a little touchy-touchy, mm. yeah. You know, trying to sell it, but this, this uh, ain't, you know, They technically are putting on a show. Yeah. And the song is called My Boo. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, guys. Come on. Uh, I I saw it. I'm in Charlotte. I saw that clip. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I'm just telling you, that would be a little bit tough for me to handle. But this is what Usher does. You brought Usher to the Super Bowl. You brought him to Vegas. 
Yeah, he's going to take his shirt off, and he's probably going to get a little too close to your girl. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, so going back into the game, and we're going to talk about just, you know, where does this game rank? Is it one of our favorite best Super Bowls you've seen? Obviously, for me, it's not going to be a favorite, but as far as just if I looked at it and, you know, took myself out of fan mode and looked at it, I think this is one of the better Super Bowls that you've seen because all we can ask for when you get to a championship setting is to have it come down to the end. It doesn't matter how we get there. It doesn't matter what happens. You just want to see it come down to the end. One side has a chance to win with the other side trying to stop them. And I think that's what we got. And then, you know, to go to overtime, the second Super Bowl to go to overtime, uh, I I think that's definitely one of the better Super Bowls that we've seen uh, in our lifetime as far as just drama, star power, everything that was involved, the storylines that you had. I mean, it's up there. You talk Taylor and and. Uh, Travis Kelsey and the Swifties, talking about Patrick Mahomes and legacy, Andy Reid and legacy, Shanahan, can he get over the hump, CMC, Brock Purdy, can he prove that he belongs amongst the best? There were a lot of juicy storylines in this Super Bowl, and for it to come down uh, to overtime, man, I think that the fans definitely, football fans won. I got as much excitement watching this Super Bowl as I did going back all the way to, I think Philadelphia, New England was the last one that I can compare with this level of excitement that I experienced because you also had a really fun ending to a Tom Brady drive that ends in what is a fumble because Brandon Graham gets to Tom Brady and then ends it. Philadelphia ends up winning with this crazy run that Nick Foles goes on in order to capitalize and get Doug Peterson, the Philly special going back and forth. Tom Brady threw for over 500 yards, something silly like that. That was a really fun one. And we've had some good ones too. Last year was a good Super Bowl. That was a fun game. The first half was terrible. But Wes, in this text line, like I'm surprised to see so many people say how terrible it was overall. Like I know the first half wasn't good. People don't like defensive football anymore. But we got a third quarter. We had a fourth quarter. We had an overtime period that went the distance. We got a full overtime period. There was more than just the first half that was played last night. And for all the reasons you just said, hell yeah, this is one of the more memorable ones to me. Because this one is significant in a lot of different aspects. You're talking about San Francisco trying to get over the hump, and I'm sorry to do it to you, but we got to keep it real. They just haven't done it the last three times that they've gone there. Pat Mahomes wins his third before he gets to 30 years of age. Here we are having Andy Reid now. Is he in the GOAT conversation? Travis Kelsey, among what is a great group of tight ends that have played this game, Travis Kelsey is up there. You do have the star-studded stuff. We'll always remember the Taylor Swift run, right, wrong, or indifferent. That is a part of all of this. But, man, even so, it's hard to beat a walk-off in a championship game. Yeah. And this thing went to overtime, and you had that man and Pat Mahomes chasing Tom Brady, almost winning it in regulation, Sorry, nope, can't do it. We're going to have to have another period of great close football. San Francisco driving down the field, running it, by the way, in overtime with Christian McCaffrey. But then we even saw some fun dial-up plays by Spags. Tell me what I'm missing if you're trying to tell me that this isn't one of the most exciting Super Bowls. I loved it. I thought it was top five for me in my lifetime, given how significant it was for so many different football characters a part of the story. Uh, and retrospect, do we feel like that this was the year to take Kansas City down? And do we think the Chiefs could even three-peat? Because we know we saw the graphic last night. Uh, the last scene to go back-to-back was the 2003-2004 Patriots. And uh, do we think that the Chiefs could take it again and, and three-peat again? Absolutely they could. Like what, 
what piece of evidence is there for me to tell you to doubt Kansas City unless you want to bring injury into the conversation? And free agency is going to have a big impact on this team, too. I don't even care about it. I don't. Mm, they got some big defensive free agents, though. But they're not going to lose all of them. That offense, with Andy Reid at the helm, he's not going anywhere. Okay, so one, you have your GOAT candidate coach back. You have your GOAT candidate quarterback back. Good. Travis Kelsey's coming back. He even confirmed that afterwards. Let's say Travis Kelsey loses production. Still Pro Bowl worthy, but not superhuman. And we didn't even see him play at a superhuman level in the regular season. Cool. Rasheed Rice is only going to get better. I expect them to upgrade at the skill position. I do. They won with a group of wide receivers. Let's just call it what it is. Those guys weren't good outside of Rice. And they found a way to produce in the Super Bowl and in the postseason. But even in the Super Bowl, MVS is out here running backwards. <laughs> like, you disengage from forward progress, and then you lose 10 yards. You should have had a six-yard gain, and then you lose, like, four yards on it. I, there were still some mistakes. It was hilarious to see MVS catch that wide-open touchdown pass and, like, grab it like it was the first time he'd ever caught a football in his life. It was like almost throwing a softball very, you know, high in the air to your four-year-old. Make sure, okay, here it's coming, Johnny. Here, here it goes. And then he just grabs it with two hands. Hey, good job. That's how it felt. So they're going to upgrade at that spot too. Defensively, if you bring back Chris Jones, monster deal there. But even if they don't, that's a lot of money that you can allocate towards, what, replacement level defensive tackles that are just average then you're probably going to bring back Legereus Sneed. Trent McDuffie is still on his rookie contract and an ascending player. Spags is coming back. Spags isn't getting any head coaching interest. No matter what happens every single offseason, all he does is win Super Bowls and show up in big games, but nobody's knocking on his door to be the head coach. So guess what? He's back too. Nah, man, Kansas City is in this every single year until Pat Mahomes, Andy Reid, and some of this stuff significantly changes, and just not enough is going to change for me to doubt them. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, not to doubt them and – like I said, you think about Brady and Belichick and all the things that happened over the years to where people would doubt him and they would bounce back. But I just think even as great as they are, as great as those New England defenses were, uh, as great as some of the personnel, they still had you know times where, like you talked about, a decade without going back to a Super Bowl. I think Kansas City's time is going to come to where things aren't going in their favor all of the time. And I think just the fact that nobody's three-peated uh, in the Super Bowl era. So history tells me this won't happen. Uh, it's just hard when you're playing, adding up the 17-game schedule now. Then you're talking about the three games it takes to get to the Super Bowl if you get the number one seed. Then playing the Super Bowl that takes a toll on guys. It's going to be hard to continue to stay healthy enough to win um, through that. So that's the only thing for me that I think would take Kansas City out. Then you look at this run, too. Had some close calls. Bounces go their way. They're always It's always going to take some luck to win a championship. And so uh, I think that maybe some of those bounces next year with teams retooling on their own, the Ravens are going to retool. Buffalo's going to retool. Uh, you know, they're going to be teams that come up. Who knows what the charges are going to look like under Jim Harbaugh. We know what his pedigree, what he's brought to the table. And there's always going to be some surprise teams. And so for that reason, uh, I'm not going to bank on Kansas City to get there. I think they're going to be in the mix. But we'll see. There's a lot of stuff that can happen in the offseason. And before we go to break, uh, when you look at the Super Bowl odds for next season for Super Bowl 59, 
The 49ers lead that with plus 550. Uh, as I said at the start of the show, I'm not going to be gung-ho, you know, Super Bowl guy with this team. I'm at a point now to where I believe it when I see it. If they get there and win it, I'll be happy about <laughs> it. But if they don't get there, you know, it's whatever. Because like I said, after losing three straight Super Bowls, it's just very hard for the same reasons I talked about. Uh, injuries and guys leaving in free agency. Like I said, the 49ers don't have a ton, and I'm sure they're going to be vets lining up to come and play in San Francisco. But I'm just not going to, you know, put that cart before that horse. Uh, it's cool. It's nice to go into the offseason and be like, hey, they're the favorites. But until they get there and win it at this point, you know, I'm just like – if they hit there and they do it, fantastic. You're not but getting fooled you again. This is very much, man, I keep buying in, and it just never happens for us. Despite us being a very successful franchise over the last decade, I can't continue to go to the Super Bowl and then lose in that fashion. And so that's tough. I get you. I do think San Francisco deserves to be towards the top. I don't know if I would have them right at number one. But Brock Purdy's going to be back, and you're hoping that Purdy only gets better. You're hoping that, you know, the big question for them it, – like injuries are going to be a part of anything you talk about with consistency. Oh, unless they get injured, then they're going to be good. That's same for San Francisco. We just see more injuries from them. You know, we see it. We've seen it before with McCaffrey. We know very well about his injury history in Carolina so far, not so much San Francisco, but it could rear its head again. in San Fran, it happens with Debo and Debo is a big part of what that offense does. George Kittle, George Kittle will get banged up every now and then. And so yeah. the fact that those guys are constantly banged up like that, yeah, that's got to be frustrating. Not to mention and Trent Williams is still doing this at an all pro level, but Trent Williams is old. I, he's still incredible. He's number one left tackle in the game. I'm not going to take that from him, but is there a point that that drops off? I it's fair to ask. Yeah. I San Francisco should be a top three favorite going into next year, but with the health concerns with, you know, it was tough for them to even get past these last two playoff games before they get to the Super Bowl. So we'll see. But San Francisco deserves to be towards the top. All right. Well, when we come back, we close this thing down on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Wesson Walker wrapping up on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Had to get through a lot today. Super Bowl, of course, we were going to provide commentary on the big game, but also Mitch Kupchak stepping down from his GM role and going to move into an advisory role. Aaron Fern, now the official Charlotte 49ers men's head basketball coach after having the interim tag for 
the entire season up until this point. So we had a lot to update on everybody. Um, everybody on, of course, we got to see ACC basketball too this weekend. And so we talked about that. If you missed any of the show, just remember, you can go to the website, WFNZ.com. You can click the Weston Walker podcast tab and just catch any of the segments that you wanted to hear again, or in case you missed a little bit of it again, WFNZ.com, just click the Wes and Walker tab. You can continue to text in, by the way, 704-570-9610, 704-570-9610. There is one big topic we didn't talk about today, really in depth. What is that? And we can save it for tomorrow if we want to have a little bit more of a Super Bowl wrap-up. But we didn't talk a lot about Brock Purdy today. And I don't know where everybody else would fall on this. I'm looking directly into Wes's soul. <laughs> You're going at it with somebody... I think it's King McQueen. I've been going at it with people all day. Have you? I know. Yo, I've seen you been typing away like that cat on the GIF on Twitter or whatever. But King McQueen was talking about Purdy overthrew two touchdowns under pressure, and that was the reason they lost. He's not a game changer or special at all. Man, I thought Brock Purdy was very good in this game. I don't think he was special. I don't think he was amazing. I thought there were some throws that were pretty damn in stride and really accurate. The Brandon Ayuk early throw on third down comes to mind when he's throwing to Ayuk going to the outside. I, there are some throws over the middle where, okay, maybe those guys are open, but he's also hitting them in stride. So those guys catch the football and because of the position of the placement of that pass, I think Debo is able to run a little bit more. Like we saw that from him. I thought the placement on those balls yesterday were really good from Brock Purdy. I don't know what you do on some of those dial-ups from Steve Spagnolo, man. Like I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out because great quarterbacks might, might win that game in a different way. Like I don't know, but I'm, I don't look at that game and say that was Brock Purdy's problem. Trent McDuffie's blitz was a perfect call, a perfect disguise. Like the call was to try to hit Debo on a slant. McDuffie's right there. Like, that, that's tough. What are you going to do? You can't roll out to the right if that's the play. I mean, I don't know. There was the Juwan Jennings. He looked open at the corner of the uh, the front of the end zone, at the front pylon. But he can't hit him because Chris Jones runs through, unfazed, tackles Brock Purdy. Purdy gets up, and you can see it on that clip. He looks and knows. They might have had a touchdown if he just is able to stay up for not even half a second longer. Like, Wes, I, I, I think it's far-fetched. And I'm not saying you're saying this or anybody. Mm -hmm. I think it's far-fetched to say, man, he was special yesterday. Mm -hmm. He was amazing. But I can't point to you and say, he even made a couple of really good off-script plays. Like the pass to Juszczyk, Mm -hmm. ridiculous. Like him escaping pressure like that. Game managers don't really do that. Yeah. And I think he was really good. And I have a hard time pointing to the throw or the thing was like, oh, man, if he was just a little mm-hmm. bit different, that's how they win this game. I think it's fair to say he wasn't special, but damn, like, what am I supposed to do? That was a pretty good performance. Listen, Walker, at the end of the day, there's not much you can say to convince people. I think Richard Sherman put it great before the game. Uh, he said if Brock Purdy walked on water, they would say it's because he can't swim. Uh, it's a constant <laughs> moving of a the, the goalposts uh, with Brock Purdy all of the time. And I get people hitting me up saying these stupid comments. And, yeah, I'm calling them stupid because... Because people need to watch the game. 
uh, like you said, when you look at the accuracy, the throws that he's asked to make in this offense, you've seen, you know, everybody wants to point to Cam Newton, to which I've been rebutting to a lot of them. Well, how was Cam Newton's Super Bowl performance? Let me know that. Was he a game changer in that here game? We go. I mean, you know, let's let's just be honest here. Everybody wants to jump on Cam and jump on the takes that everybody else has said that they want to follow and be a parrot. But also, are you listening to guys like C.J. Stroud? Are you listening to guys like Kurt Warner talk about how difficult it is and these offenses to make throws and consistently make the right decisions? And you saw last night, he was consistently making the right decisions. The accuracy was there. Uh, Everything was there for him. Like I said, you had line busts, procedure penalties, things like that that offset drives. But you're not going to get people that are going to say any of that. I know with the quarterback, you want to say, hey, did he win or did he lose? He lost. But he was not the reason that they lost his football game. Could they have capitalized on more drives? Sure. And you want to lay that at the feet of the quarterback? Be my guess. But at the end of the day, uh, Purdy has proven, you know, with the highest coming into this game, I know he had the highest uh, quarterback rating for a quarterback in the playoffs in the last since 1991. Uh, The accuracy and the numbers that he put up in a franchise that had quarterbacks like Steve Young and Joe Montana had the highest single season yardage. The accuracy. He led the NFL in air yards per attempt by a long shot, 9.6. When the last time we heard that? You know what I'm saying? And so there's a lot to like about Brock Purdy. So, Walker, like I said, at the end of the day, no matter what you say, people, because he lost, they're going to cling on to whatever they want. And they're going to keep that same narrative. It, it's stupid, and I'm calling it stupid, because you're not watching the game and you're not seeing what's going on. You just want to choose to hate and keep your narrative alive, and that's fine. Well, and, and look, like you and I clearly disagree on what Brock Purdy is, but I also don't look at that game and think – yeah, man. You know, he was trash. Like, people are writing in that he was trash. Like, come on. I, you, you don't believe That's that. That's what I'm saying. They just saying that, that just to say it. I, I just don't know how he was trash. Like, man. They you don't have, have a reason. You have to be perfect. There was, there was the overthrow to Debo in the end zone. He was dealing with pressure. He threw it. He overthrew it. He threw it out of bounds. But, I mean, that is a ridiculous throw. If he connects with Debo, like, that is a wild dime so it's like okay yeah maybe the special quarterbacks make that if if Brock Purdy completes that throw the only throw comparable to that when Pat Mahomes makes is the one to Nicole Hardman that didn't end up in a touchdown you know what I'm saying like I didn't see Pat Mahomes make that special of a throw if we were to consider Bryce uh or Brock Purdy you know hypothetically completing that. Sure. You know what I'm saying? So like for me, I didn't watch him and and say, man, that's the reason they lost. I didn't see, I didn't feel no, that way at all. At all. The only In the first half he was cooking. I think the biggest argument against him is the fact that Kansas city's adjustments took away the middle of the field. They blitzed against the run, which largely and really in the second half held Christian McCaffrey ineffective. And they were forcing Brock Purdy to throw to the outside. And there just wasn't enough for San Francisco to move the ball downfield. And so maybe if you have this rocket arm type dude where even now Brock Purdy, a little bit of a smaller quarterback, not Bryce Young, but smaller interior pressure is going to disrupt that. And so, you know, whatever. But I think those are the only things that I can really hold against Brock Purdy, but not enough to say that he was bad by any means. He was not. He was not bad. I think he was very good. And you just ran into... A bad, bad man on the other side in Pat Mahomes. You just can't swim. And Kansas, that's right. You just can't swim. That's all it is. That'll do it for (laughs) Weston Walker. Big shout to Wes. I love y'all, though, man. But you're going to get the smoke when you come for it. Uh, That's Wes Bryant helping us out today on what was a tough show.
to talk about his favorite team losing the Super Bowl in what was a pretty painful way. But he's here because he's a professional. That's right, baby. And he's going to be back we with don't all fold. of us. We don't fold. Going to be back with all of us tomorrow from 12 <laughs> to 3 p.m. It's Kyle Bailey coming up next alongside Smoke Ludwig. He'll be on the air from 3 to 6. You're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.